actually, Snoke is Mace Windu in uh, Boba Fett's love child that actually got with Jen Erso and then is also Ray's mom. So, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Hello, super friends, and welcome to Nerds for Normal People, the podcast that brings nerd culture to a normal world. I am your master of the geekly arts, Daniel Dunstan, and with me, I have some friends and experts coming in to help us break down Spider-Man Far From Home, as well as the movie Aquaman. I think we'll all have a lot of fun with Aquaman, especially. So, joining me is, of course, Bill Sheehy. My man! <laughs> Introduction <Then> over. <laughs> podcast over. We're just going to stop over. there. <laughs> then we also have Noah Day. What's new with me? I got a cat. I'm a cat guy now. I have a cat. I like cats. I'm a cat person. That's new. That's uh that's what's up. Hooray. Good to know. Good to know. And the other voice you're hearing periodically that you've never heard before. This is one, let me get the name right here, Beth Dunstan. And it says here, you are in fact my sister. Is that correct? Uh, it is. And I am so glad to be joining this podcast as your token woman. I'm yeah! so excited. <laughs> so you can Let's... stop emailing us, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we, I am very excited to talk with you, Beth, and just you, nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to say that since Noah is now a cat person, that does make him an honorary librarian. That's so, awesome. That's, that's the criteria. Come, cool. didn't know. come <laughs> check out my books. I've got all of them, including. Uh, that's actually that's actually why I had to leave working in lo- public libraries, as I found myself no longer as much of a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> you just your cat died, and they just kicked you out. They're like, "I'm that's so true. sorry." You have a, you you have a backup cat, and you're like, no, I just had the one cat. And they're like, well, you should have thought of this beforehand. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So like I said, where you have two major things uh, that have come out, because originally we were just going to do this as breaking down Aquaman, which is filled with wonderful things to discuss. We will be going full spoilers on that, just so you know. But first... A little trailer dropped that I think we might need to talk about. Spider-Man Far From Home. So, Sony dropped last week a Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Surprising some people, though I don't know how, that Spider-Man was still alive or would be alive again in time for his movie. But sure, why not? That's a plot twist. Like, that's <laughs> that's worse. That's uh, that's better than uh, the snap. Like, wow, I, 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 could, I wasn't prepared. I legitimately saw people online who are like, how come they ruined the surprise? <laughs> what if he had stayed dead? I'm like, then they probably wouldn't have a movie coming out two months later. But, and like, even though like we know like this is coming, we're still going to watch Infinity, well, Infinity War. We're going to see Endgame like eight times and it doesn't take away from the stakes at all because it's no. Endgame and we got to see how we get, how Spider-Man gets back. Like we knew it was coming, but still. And I think that we see in the trailer that he's sort of recovering on an emotional level, mm-hmm. it looks like. And I think, like, especially for Endgame, that's one of the major factors is, you know, just the emotional impact on the characters. 
Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you turned to dust? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Not great, Cotton. Didn't feel good. <laughs> anyway, I can see why he wants to leave his Spider-Man suit in the closet, mm-hmm. that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the trailer, Peter Parker... Uh, is traveling Europe with his friends from school. They apparently are on a school trip. He leaves his Spider-Man suit at home because Europe doesn't need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Socialist assholes. But it does. <laughs> <laughs> but it does because Nick Fury comes to recruit him, and then they have to Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Spoilers! Nick Fury's alive? What? Yeah, true. <laughs> I guess there's the lesser spoilers. What? Hey, Daniel, Jeez. do you think that Black Panther survives too? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe Academy Award-nominated Black Panther will survive yeah, as well. I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I just I don't hope, see it. I hope they bring them all back, but they kind of just forgot. Like, mm-hmm. what's one? Uh, it's like, Drax. War, is it yeah. War Machine? Yeah, they just forget I, Drax. I think we've talked about that because of just how yeah. outspoken Dave Batista has been about, like, this is like Guardians Three. You're gonna suck because James Gunn's not involved. Yeah, he's I like, wonder just leave if, me as dust, please. Yeah, I wonder if like the original plan was there. Like, well, one of them has to stay, and so Gamora's gonna stay, so they can all get out, and that'll just change. Be like, so Drax has to stay, stay, so they can all get out. <laughs> hey, you know what? If they weren't planning on bringing Spider-Man back, maybe the people who made Spider-Man were just like forcing their hand. They're like, all right, here he is in the future. Your move. <laughs> there are actually some reports that like disney tried to contact them and say like you know we're gonna tell you like for this trailer we'd like you not to put spider-man in it to maintain the surprise and they're like in our spider-man movie trailer just don't put him in it you don't need it no (laughs) honestly i think the internet would have been happy and i would have been happy if it was just mysterio footage anyway so (laughs) like that's all it was like they just the showed exterior thing. shots of European cities and then some yeah. spider <laughs> It's just a bunch of confused high school students uh-huh. wondering why this supervillain is chasing them across Europe. Mm-hmm. I would love it if it's the exact same trailer, but they just blurred out Peter Parker in every scene he was in. So they're like, is that him? Who knows? And then like at the, like, at the title card or whatever, they blur out Spider-Man 2 and it's just far from home. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know <laughs> who is it who knows we don't know of course it's a comic movie and his trip to europe is interrupted by looks like multiple villain attacks mm-hmm. um i think the, some people were saying one of them was hydro man from what i'm seeing it looks like it's the elementals who are even more obscure villains than hydro man yeah uh, i the the first time I heard of the Elementals was people talking about them being in this movie. <laughs> so same <that's>, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I will I admit, a... Daniel, I I feel like I know a lot about Marvel comics, and, but <laughs> I when you first mentioned Hydro Man was in this movie, I think I said who about yeah. three times. I, I said, oh, people are freaking out about Hydro Man, and she stared at me and went. Hydro Man? If, if you saw anyone online freaking out about Hydro Man being in this, it was Daniel. They were all Daniel. 
They're all Daniel's fake they, accounts. As I suspected, yes. They are all people who actually tweeted at me because they listened to this podcast, so we could be guaranteed they're listening. Perfect. <laughs> uh, it might still be Hydro Man, or it might be Hydron, the even less well-known <laughs> Hydro Man. That's just like Hydro Man light. Like that... <laughs> Diet Hydro Diet Man. Diet Hydro Man, yeah. That might, that's, <laughs> Hydro it, Man zero calories. They literally kind of, they took out one letter like, from Hydro Man and just did Hydron, I think. H, yeah. <laughs> they just took out the M and it's just, yeah. It's and really lazy a, writing. Come yeah, on. That's true. That's it true. just Good looked point. better on the poster. It did. <laughs> yeah. However, Spider-Man seems to have an ally, though, mm-hmm. in the trailer, in one... Jake Gyllenhaal, who is playing Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm curious because I, I think we all kind of, I think that we may see a, a Mondo like turn where like he's a good guy. Mordo. Most, Mordo. 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 How, I've been saying Mondo for like a month and nobody you, corrected me until like a I, week ago. I nearly <laughs> corrected you when you tweeted that. It's me, all good. I was like, and no, I was like, no, who's Mondo? I'm, uh, but anyway. Yeah, I thought we would see something like that, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm now I'm curious to see how what the how he does all these illusions because like, how is he flying? How is he doing any of this stuff? Is it a projector? What what's what's happening? There are multiple characters in the MCU who can fly who would not be able to. Like you have Tony Stark mm-hmm. and War Machine but- and like countless people who can fly. He could build something that could let him fly. And that is, because that was my theory, is that he's making these attacks somehow so that he can make himself look like a hero. Because mm-hmm. Mysterio, for those who don't know, has the best costume in comics. Just a green unitard, purple cape, giant fishbowl on his head. And basically all of that is still in the movie, which I love. Because uh-huh. it looks ridiculous, but awesome. I, and he is a villain who's a master of illusions, and so it could be he's trying to make himself seem like a superhero for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think you're... I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but, like, I hope... I, 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 they're probably going to make him a, a villain because he's one of Spider-Man's best villains. Um, but... I'd like to see something a little different than like, oh, he's a good guy, uh, psych. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's and, and to me, like Mysterio kind of feels like you're if you, if I have any or if we have any Arrested Development fans, like uh, a Joe Bluth kind of character where like he gets really mad when like at the end when like you call him <laughs> like Nick Fury will say these are magic tricks. He's like they're illusions, Fury. They're illusions. <laughs> And you could even have him start as a legitimate good guy and then mm-hmm. just have a turn, similar to Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I was saying earlier that uh, Mysterio reminds me a lot of Doctor Doom in a very fun way, that he is, you know, you were supposed to act surprised, but <gasps> um, but <laughs> Doctor Doom is a lot like Mysterio in that they are legitimate threats, but they're so melodramatic. It's mm-hmm. so great. And um, I feel like Mysterio will maybe... I'm not sure if he's going to legitimately be the complete villain of this film, but mm-hmm. I do 
I, I do wonder if another villain that we have not seen yet is going to be coming in. And then Mysterio was initially in it for his own gain, but then maybe he finds he likes heroing and mm-hmm. wants to help out some more. Because, I mean, Spider-Man has some of the best rogues in comics, and mm-hmm. there's quite a lot to be used there. So I would not be surprised if Mysterio uh, falls somewhere along the shades of gray spectrum. But... Mm-hmm. I will say this. There is comic precedent for that. There was a wonderful story in which Doctor Doom decided... Or not Doctor Doom. Doctor Octopus decided he was going to destroy the world because he was dying. And they have... And so he, it's like he brings the Sinister Six together. It was called Spider-Man Ends of the Earth. And at one point, they basically convinced Mysterio to join them by saying, like, why are you doing this? He's like, for the money. And it goes... But the world will end. You can't spend a bank account filled with ash. And he just kind of like stops and walks out and goes, I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) And then he just helps them for the rest of the story arc. Cool. Like, I almost wonder, since he is supposed to be like in the movie making business, I wonder if he does, if he doesn't have like a sponsor who will sort of renege on him at some point. And then he betrays that sponsor and helps Spider-Man. Like, I would love if this was sort of like a movie-making reference um, in the same way, like, I don't know, Mojo is in the X-Men comics. So. Ooh, what if he's oh. kind of like a... a, a, a I don't know who, who that is in the X-Men specifically, but what what's coming to mind now, and I think I, I saw this online somewhere, uh, was what if he's like a Syndrome character from The Incredibles, where he's like this oh, super yeah. fan... Mm-hmm of all like all these superheroes and like he wants more than anything to be one so like he goes to like just these incredible links to show that he's a hero you like and then that's his old like he wants to beat him i guess i don't know i think that'd be that could be interesting oh for sure i think that i think that there's a good chance of that but i think that it's gonna end up being kind of like uh one of the normal spider-man tropes where it's just like a kind of really kind of really relatable villain like vulture was mm-hmm. in homecoming mm-hmm. where you know you could see why he's doing what he's doing and then at some point there's a kind of a disconnect where you're like okay i don't now he's you know he's lost me on this but like you know they start out as something mm-hmm. very relatable as to why they're doing it so like it might not you know he he's probably not going to be just like evil but you know spider-man's got mm-hmm. good villains and uh so he could just be like still being trying, you know, have his have good reasons or good intentions or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vulture, I think, has been actually according to IMDb right now, Vulture is in the movie. Hmm. Uh, Michael hmm. Keaton, Adrian Toomes has well, some role in the movie. Is Scorpion gonna be in it too? Or is he? I'm credited? not seeing. I'm not seeing Scorpion. Because I think that you this could set up down the line of Sinister Six. I think that would be a, a cool. It uh, could. I would imagine they would be hesitant to try to rush into that again. Well, I mean, considering like considering that kind of led to the downfall of Spider-Man well, I'm previously. Not, I'm not talking like do it like the next movie, but what you do is kind of like you introduce. They introduce Thanos at the end, of, at the very, very end of Avengers. So, like, uh-huh. if you could, like, because we already have like kind of the foundation for it in uh, after Homecoming, where Tombs meets with the Scorpion. He's not the Scorpion yet. Um but you you keep on getting more and more of these like the sinister six coming together and then eventually down the line like your big spider-man or 
whatever maybe Avengers is taking on the Sinister Six. Also, I think that the you know the downfall of the old Spider-Man wasn't just because wasn't because of the Sinister mm-hmm. Six. That mm-hmm. Six, they just did a sucky job with Spider-Man yeah. by the third one. Like I think that I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige and them believe they could do a better job than mm-hmm. the original Spider-Man did. Well, would, are we are we talking Amazing right. Spider-Man or I, no, I thought you were I talking thinking, about Amazing? Amazing Spider-Man. was when they tried to shove all the Sinister mm-hmm. Six set up into one oh, movie. Oh yeah, well, yeah. See, I was talking I was about actually, like, Spider-Man three where they're just mm-hmm. like. Oh no, that's Spider-Man Three is. I was gonna say that still works because they tried to shove three villains into that, and Mm -hmm. as well as keep James Franco being like, "I like pie." Yeah, I think if anybody can make it work, Kevin Feige can make it work. That those amazing Spider-Man movies, like, was the DCEU before there was the DCEU, (laughs) where they just (laughs) screwed up on just about every level, and then like they they didn't get it right after like two or three movies, so they didn't have like a Wonder Woman or a Aquaman (laughs) or any of that. So it's uh yeah, pretty good, pretty good part by Mark Webb and and Sony to to screw that up. I wonder if Mark Webb got that job. Well, his name's Webb. Well, <laughs> let me take that back. I don't think it was his fault. I think that was more the studio interfering with it because I think he had a a different vision than what was ultimately uh, shown in definitely the Amazing oh, Spider-Man yeah. Two. The first one was his, and I like that movie, but it's like it's more it it's it's just Spider-Man. Like we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. I I like the first movie, and I like like some of the second Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think I remember watching it with you, Beth, and like halfway yeah. through, you're like, why did everyone hate this? It's really good. And then the rest of it happened. <laughs> yes. Then the rest of it happened. The second the green goblin shows up or the second he just decides he's going to be evil suddenly, she was just like, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, as soon as you see Gwen Stacy in that iconic outfit, you're just like, well, we all know where this is headed. <laughs> this is, I shouldn't be laughing. This was, uh, when I saw that in the theaters, there was two seats away from me a small boy who, when Gwen Stacy died, and he, she's, like, being held there by the spider webbing, and he's, like, crying. The kid's like... Why won't she wake up? Um, and I just thought, oh, that no. those parents are going to have a really not fun talk. Jeez. That's the same as the, the little boy who sat in front of us when we went to see <laughs> Avengers Infinity War, who was wearing the little Spider-Man galoshes. Oh, no! And, and yes. he's this little bitty boy, and I was just thinking of him all throughout the credits as they mm. were rolling. You know, this poor kid, what's he thinking now? I will say, they changed the uh, music for the credits for the, like, blu-ray and digital release of infinity war to where they actually played music if they wanted it to be accurate to what you heard in the theater it should have just been the cries of small children <laughs> oh <my gosh. sighs> <God. laughs> so and if if this is too uh too not like pc like you can feel free to take this out but one of the funniest <laughs> things that happened when i went to see infinity war like i'm all like Obviously, I was shocked. I, I made friends with these uh, a couple of of, of ladies, that, black ladies that were sitting next to me before the movie, and we were talking and like so we 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 were doing commentary to each other, whispering. And as soon as Black Panther came on, uh, st- turned into dust, she uh, she screamed, "We can't have anything!" 
And, then, and I was like, all this stuff, like all this like incredible like emotional stuff was happening, and then oh it was gosh. just we can't have anything. <laughs> that's, so, that's so good. That did remind me there was one like a boy who who I was talking to after Infinity War, mm-hmm. um, at, at my job, and he mentioned to me. Like everybody who looked like me died because he was like a young black man and, oh. and, and like oh and no so, I'm so sorry and, and it was just, but and I'm like I'm sure they will all be back like Black Panther made so much money like yeah. they're coming back like, it's... I think I think Kevin Feige did basically say yeah when we made that decision we had no idea how successful that was yeah. gonna be I don't think I don't think they did like it's the the success of Black Panther is I think it's it I don't think it's stupid to say it's unprecedented like it, it no yeah because it's the first superhero movie you know you have Dark Knight any those Christopher Nolan every superhero movie ever none have been nominated for Best Picture and Black Panther was which I I, I don't think they anticipated that I I certainly didn't I was excited for it but I didn't think it would get nearly as much buzz or as be as good as mm-hmm. it was. And that is why he will 100% yes, be back. Yes, absolutely. There's oh, no way. Yeah, There's no yeah. way he won't come back. They're going to build the future of the uh-huh. MCU off of Black Panther. <laughs> Let's see. Any other thoughts about the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? Well, I really dug the kind of like the the tone of it. Like, yeah. it, it, I really enjoyed kind of uh, the, the the music choice, whatever. It, like, and, and even like... Uh, the iconic like Spider-Man cartoon theme coming out, coming on at the end. <laughs> yes. I just, I felt like it, it nails that kind of like teenage kind of uh, coming of age kind of story that I think that, that you, that people try to go when you're writing Spider-Man, what people appreciate about Spider-Man is just that at the end of the day, he's just a kid growing up. And I think it, it nailed that. So I'm, uh, I'm not, Spider-Man has just been killing it the past year. Like when you think mm-hmm. like, you know, you've had Spider-Man PS4, him in Infinity War, into the Spider-Verse, and now this. It's been a incredible year for Spider-Man, and this gets me incredibly excited. It was very exciting for me, too, because I think, uh, like you were saying, it was uh, it's a very coming-of-age film, and it feels like a very much a teen movie. It's in that genre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything from the little romantic comedy beats to... Uh, to just the friends being in Europe and going on a little adventure together, like that all felt, you know, if you took out Mysterio and the Elementals, it all felt like it could just be on Netflix as a romantic comedy, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I do think, I do hate that I'm probably the only nerd left in the entire world who hasn't seen, uh, Into the Spider Verse, but oh, I, I will dude. fix that eventually. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, what about Spider-Man flying in the trailer? By the way, like, yeah, the the flying out. squirrel. The other yeah. movies, yeah. no, the other movies had the balls to make him fly. That's true. <laughs> but does, so. he kind of did in Spider-Man: Homecoming? Did he win? Uh, oh, when for he's a on the Washington he Monument, yeah, he, did oh, that's right. he he goes and swings around the, on the helicopter and then like glides. Okay, yeah. Now I've been made a fool of. 
Ha-ha! <laughs> Nerd card revoked. You, you, you question my knowledge of Spider-Man. <laughs> you can leave your cat at the door, sir. Thank you. <laughs> well, I was excited with Into the Spider-Verse to see Miles Morales, the best Spider-Man, getting his his due there. So, And I was glad to see... Peter Porker, the best Spider-Man, also get his t- <laughs> It can get weirder. <laughs> oh. But we won't talk about that because I don't want to ruin it for Noah. <laughs> I, I loved this trailer. Like, soundtrack-wise, it's perfect. I love uh, MJ. She's wonderful. She's amazing. And, like, his supporting cast is so good. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. which probably after Endgame will be a nice change of yeah. pace. Yeah. Well, and it's it's setting it's going to set the tone for Phase Four. I think Feige has said so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm a, once again just very excited for it. I wonder if like I wonder if as far as like resetting the tone after Infinity War, if it's trying to like go back to like lowering the stakes down to like smaller stories that don't just like go up and up and up into like galactic mm-hmm. threats and stuff. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Hasn't yeah. Feige said that already? That there, it's going to be less of a, a bigger well, story after this and more yeah. sort of smaller arcs. Well, and I think because I think they're going to start filming Black Widow next month, so like that would she? I I don't know what 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 her stories are in the comics, but I would assume that's more like espionage, mm-hmm. like like high they, stakes, but not like galactic, like. Uh, kind of stakes that we yeah seen they in, are in usually espionage cool spy thrillers yeah. I would like, say similar to like Winter Soldier yeah yeah which awesome give me more of that I'm well, until Marvel makes a bad movie and even after that they have to make like consecutive bad movies like I'm gonna go see like every movie they pr- they put out so it, it it's they've got me hooked they got me hook line and sinker. <laughs> I'm worried though, because like I don't. As far as like a Black Widow movie, just to take a little detour on this, like I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a movie about like a superhero world movie about someone who didn't have superpowers that I, I like. Like if you talk Batman even TV shows, like ba- Batman. no, I mean like no, nah, not ba- Batman. Batman. You know, <laughs> Batman doesn't ba- count, but Batman. I mean like Agents of Shield <laughs> what, what? and stuff. How? How does he? Batman doesn't have super ha- his superpower. Super is, have- his superpower is like inhuman amounts of money. So that's true. Yeah. As Ben Affleck like, would say like, in Justice League, I'm rich. Yeah. Well, in the trailer to Justice League, I don't think that was even was in that the in the movie. movie? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I try to forget is, that, but but in the just like in Agents of Shield and stuff, I always thought like. It just remind the fact that all of them were just like regular, basically regular cops and stuff is mm-hmm. kind of what they were. It just reminded me, like, man, I really wish that I could see superheroes in this, but I'm just watching these like cops and bureaucrats running around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I really wish I was watching I, a new spy. I will say the best Black Widow comics have involved her still having to fight kind of super powered villains. And just being more skilled than them. Mm-hmm. Sort of like how yeah. Batman can beat up people who are physically stronger than yeah. him. Because he has 
crazy training and stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, Black I mean, Widow. I watch it. I watch it. She she went up against those. Uh, what was it? The the those aliens in Infinity War, like Corvus Black, or uh, what was that? Uh, Proxima. Uh, Proxima yeah. Midnight. They're, she's yeah. already punching out of her weight class. I I get it. It, it could be cool, but um. And Black Widow's know. like individual series has had a lot of really great stories in it recently. So mm-hmm. um, if they they really don't have to look far to to adapt some really great material for her. Now, now Beth, if I wanted to start reading some Black Widow, some good Black Widow comics, what would you recommend? Because I'm trying to expand my uh, my comics besides just Star Wars stuff. So if you if you have any recommendations for Black Widow, I'd love to hear them. I was actually looking up a few titles now. Oh, so I'm trying to think of the one. It was from a few years ago, but it was, you know which one I'm talking about, Beth. It was fantastic. Uh, actually, let me see. If I can access my Comixology account, I can find it almost instantly. Nice plug. Very seamless. <laughs> this podcast, hopefully <laughs> later on, brought to you by Comixology. <laughs> I will add them on Twitter. When we release this episode. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> All you have to do is give me unlimited comics and I shall be happy. Done. <laughs> All right. So there's one that was done uh, recently by, um, or well, it was in 2014, uh, called The Finely Woven Thread by Nathan mm-hmm. Edmondson. And the artist was Phil Noto, who's one of my favorite artists. Oh, he do, he's done some right great now. stuff and, for Star Wars, too. Yeah, and uh, so he's just so talented. And um, But a lot of it is just about her past as a, a woman working in espionage. Because I think that a lot of Black Widow's, what, what makes her such a great character is her rising up out of this very very dark past and and it just keeps coming back to haunt her mm-hmm. in different ways and i just appreciate that so much um mm-hmm. but and that is the one i was trying to think of was that the 2014 finely woven thread yeah that one in particular is really amazing i like the espionage in it i like her recovery from all these really terrible things that have happened to her in her past and I just like the way how she takes back her own narrative and she becomes the hero that the people who raised her did not want her to be. So um, I, I, I really like it a lot. <laughs> and of course it's Phil Noto. So the art is gorgeous. There is also a, another one that I remember from 2016 black widow volume one. Uh, it's collected as shields most wanted. Uh, and in that one, she kind of has to turn from S.H.I.E.L.D. to do some stuff. And you deal a lot with that. And that has a follow-up called No More Secrets. And those are both really good. Sweet. I'll have to look them up. There is also, if you're interested, a YA novel starring Black Widow uh, called Black Widow uh, Forever Red by Margaret Stoll. And um, so, uh, who who co-wrote the Beautiful Creature series. And uh, it's it's about she she finds another girl who was trained to be an assassin and uh, and sort of takes her under her wings. So it's it's sort of a a teen version of Black Widow that is a lot of fun. If you have any kids that you're buying for uh, for 
you know, their birthday or something coming up, that is a great superhero book. This has been the Black Widow plug section of the podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Time to leave the oh. Widow Zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeez. we will now leave the Widow Zone. <laughs> and we shall head towards Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman. So we talked a little bit about this uh, in our last episode where we caught up on stuff we missed while we were away. And we basically said we would do probably as the next podcast because we wanted to make sure Noah and Beth could be here. Because I know both of you have had quite a lot to say about this movie. I enjoyed it, but it's also not like if someone was like, well, how good is the story of it? I'd be like, ah, you don't need to go for that. Oh, Daniel, very few people I know went for it for the plot. <laughs> True, Beth saw it three times for Jason Momoa's ass. Accidentally saw it. Accidentally <laughs> saw it three times. It just Jeez. sort of happened. It, I know, it's. I get it, listen. <laughs> Listen, I'm no man, I'm no woman, but that's one tasty dish. I get it. <laughs> I do appreciate the fact that the costume designers uh, for mm. that uh, for that movie could not find one outfit that fit him. Like everything no. was way too loose or way too tight. Like yeah. he he was not wearing one fitted thing throughout think- the movie. Some my uh my friends over at Lights Camera Podcast for the to do the Barstool Sports uh uh they they pointed out that like his outfit when he was like in the Mediterranean like after they got done with Atlantis was just like Kirkland khakis from Costco. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with, with, very much. With just like a, a a drapey shirt, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They were trying to find a way, they're like, well, we can't just always have him shirtless, mm-hmm. so we'll have something either super form-fitting or so loose and open in the front, it's basically yeah, shirtless. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's how you sell a movie. It Well, I mean, it worked. It mm-hmm. has passed the Dark Knight in sales and is the highest-grossing DCEU movie to date. Listen, I'm not mad about that at all. Like, the DCEU was was bound to have one successful movie besides Wonder Woman eventually. And this was it. And so, like, uh, before we, we before we recorded today, I described Aquaman as, as if Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings had an underwater baby and just kept it there for 25 years. <laughs> so, like, I, I, and I think that kind of describes it about as well as you need to. It's, like, you. I, I think we, we, we've said this before. I think we said it last time. It's really dumb, but, like, at the same time, Jason Momoa, like, sold it for me. I like, the best part of Justice League was Jason Momoa for me. And, you know, I'm a little biased because, like, the first kind of comics I got, my mom's favorite superhero is Aquaman. So, yeah. So, like, she, like, had this, I had this uh, innate bias in me before. And, like, I just went into it wanting to, to like it. And, like, I I, I did. I really, really did. <laughs> I'm not really surprised that it made more money than Dark Knight because nowadays, I'm pretty sure people have just accepted superhero movies as like a new form of taxes. So <laughs> everybody just kind of obligatorily goes to every single superhero movie now. So you yeah, can make a yeah. real shitter of a superhero yeah. movie and still like make a billion dollars. 
Yeah. And DC yeah. knows it. Uh-huh. But, uh. like, yeah. But what I think before this, the movie came, it came out in China first, and I think it already made, like, almost, it, like, 500 to 600 million already before it came out, like, here. So It, it made, like, before it premiered here, it came out, like, a week or two early in China, and it made, like, three to four hundred million yeah. before it even opened domestically. Mm-hmm. And it's continued to do super well in China. Yeah. What I I love about it so much is just how like it doesn't like there there's this tendency with new superhero movies to like modernize it and make it cooler or or not make it not as true to the original comics. But every single design from, you know, Aquaman to Ocean Master to uh, to Black Manta, it's all like original and and stays true to uh, the comic. And I remember in Comic Con in the San Diego Comic Con over the summer, Kevin Smith talked to James Wan, and like that was like the main thing. He was like, I, "Why mess with these designs that have stood the te- uh, stand uh, stood the test of time, and just keep them?" So, and I think they. Superhero costumes can be it can be hard to adapt them, and it can be seem silly. But the way that they were able to like adapt them and make them look cool and colorful and great, I really mm-hmm. appreciate. And I will say, all the color that was not in any of the previous DCEU movies was poured into this one. Even in Wonder Woman, like Wonder the, Woman's yeah. a great movie, <laughs> but like there was that the cut. Co- it's such the, a. The second they leave the mascara, all the color falls out of that yeah, movie. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my first thoughts after seeing this was like, I finally feel like DC realized they have a problem that Marvel movies are better. So they watched a Marvel movie and then all <laughs> they took from it, they were like, oh, I get it. They got more colors in their movie. So we just add more colors and everything's going to be okay. And it worked. Yeah. They didn't change it's, anything about how they made the movie. Like, all the mm-hmm. plot stuff's the same. All the melodrama's the same. But they add more color. And then they also added, like, uh, they tried to add snappy one-liner stuff. Mm-hmm. So they've learned I will something. Say, I'll say, I think the Marvel movie they watched was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And then they watched, like, the first part of Black Panther right after, too. I'm not even sure they got to the first part of Black Panther. <laughs> they just, yeah. I think they saw Thor Ragnarok and went, oh, that's what we that's need. It. Okay, that's it. And that's the look. I'll say this. We talked about earlier Spider-Man having some really complex and deep villains. Mm-hmm. Aquaman does not. Nope. Orm, or as he's also known, Ocean Master, is the most generically villainous evil guy ever. But he's wonderful for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he knows that that actor is Patrick Wilson, I uh-huh. think. Yep. Yes. He knows what movie he is in. Yeah, and he just has to be over the top, ridiculously evil. Well, what someone made a distinction when I wa- was watching a. I forget what I was watching on YouTube, but like. I do, like. Sure, it's dumb, but like. There are some, like. Under, like. Like some contextual stuff that like is kind uh, kind of under the surface that I really like. You know, like Aquaman is kind of traditionally is this blonde hair, blue eyed kind of like mm-hmm. white dude that's kind of the savior, and that's kind of what like Patrick Wilson is, what Ocean mm-hmm. Master is, and then you have you know Jason Momoa, who's this outsider who's not what not uh, who's not that, and I, I think there's something. 
inherit like you, you root for him because he is that outsider and he is very different from what we tr- traditionally see as Aquaman and I I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I do too. And I think that that this movie pulled so much from Jeff Johns work mm-hmm. on Aquaman mm-hmm. uh which if you've not read you should. <laughs> That's where they get the trench in a lot of these stories, but they they did deviate from it quite a lot, and um, uh, particularly in regards to the casting of Jason Momoa, which I do not have any problems with. I just, no. I, I think everyone already knows that, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of take that from uh, what was the um, was it the '90s or something where he was like always shirtless and like. Muscle-bound, long hair, Aquaman, or... In the 90s, when they kind of tried to make him... Because that was after, like, the Dark Knight Returns came out, and they tried to make every DC hero dark and edgy. And so Aquaman, like, lost his family and his hand, and so he just never wore a shirt and grew this big beard. As you do when you lose your entire family. And lose your hand. And he just had a hook hand. And I was so worried when I first saw, like, for for posters of Justice League, that Jason Momoa was looking like that. I was like, oh, please don't go back to that. That was the worst time for Aquaman. (laughs) But they did. They did well. But, you know, like, it's just his midlife crisis. Some people buy a really fancy car. He gets a little hook for a hand and grows a beard. So it's... You know what I, like, the biggest thing, like, besides Momoa... What I pulled away from the movie was we need more Tamara Morrison in movies. We need Django Fett in every movie. <laughs> yes, I love like, him. I I didn't like. I think he was away from like anything that I saw for so long. Like he was in Moana as the as the chief as the Moana's chief, yeah. dad, and then like now he was in this, and I'm like, he's great. Why isn't he in more stuff? Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Nicole K- Kidman was great. This, I feel like the whole cast, like like you said, knew what this movie was, and like mm-hmm. really like dove deep into it. And was like, yeah, we're gonna give you the best version of that kind of movie. <laughs> Which Noah, I'm not I sure. Will Do you want say to share about oh, Aquaman's dad? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very strange because he's like a sixty year old man. And for ninety per wait, for ninety percent of his screen time, he's playing a young man. And so what they chose to do was to CGI an old man into a young man. <laughs> for a character that no one had met before and nobody knew, they decided it'd be better to just cast one actor, and instead of a young person, they cast like an older person, CGI'd them young, and then for the very last bit of the movie, they let him be his natural age and i think it would have just been better if they'd cast a young guy at the beginning of the movie and an old guy at the end of the movie how much did it cost them to cgi his face into like plastic (laughs) i could think of nothing else for the beginning of the movie is like what is this plastic boy that she's found Well, maybe they also watched Ant-Man and just Uh thought, oh, you have to CGI an old actor young to make a movie. (laughs) Is it that expensive to hire two actors? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. You cast uh, Daniel Logan, who plays Baby Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, just just, uh, hire Daniel Logan to play young. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite line from Daniel Logan ever is, 
<laughs> Isn't that his only line? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, no, yep. And get him! <laughs> yeah! Oh, Noah, before you brought up CGI Dad. Because. Uh, my for- CGI Dad, coming this Sunday to CBS. <laughs> Follow, immediately following young Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but did you want to share, because I know you have some actual Jason Momoa stories. Did you want to share any of those? Oh, you mean me and Jason Momoa? Yeah, I met him. He, <laughs> listen, he's he's pretty cool. I met him at, <laughs> at Comic-Con, and like, I will say this. I paid for a picture with him. And I'd never done that before, and I've done it one time now, and I'm never going to do it again because for the most part, it's just superficial bullshit. You, like, literally stand in a line of, like, a thousand people, and someone, like, when you get to the front, finally, after hours and hours, someone just basically shoves you at a celebrity and then says, look at the camera! But they don't say a direction, and then they just snap a picture, and then they're like, get out! And so, that... Was not Lexington Comic Con coming this month? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't worth the money at all. But I did meet Jason Momoa. Uh, the first one was Matt Smith. That was the one they were really kind of like. Uh, uh, wait, Matt Smith was at Lexington Comic Con? No, this was Louisville Comic Con. Okay. Oh, but, wait, Matt Smith was at Louisville Comic Con. Yeah, he was yeah. he was at Fandom Fest a few years ago. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I met him there, and I literally looked like in my picture, I looked like. A serial killer that was sneaking up behind Matt Smith about to him because they literally just like shoved me into the frame and then were like, "Look at the camera!" And I looked up and I didn't know where I was looking, so it just looks like I'm staring off blankly into space as I'm reaching a hand to his neck, and then they would just tell me to go away. And, uh, so it wasn't like I, I really didn't give a shit about the picture. I don't even own a copy of that picture that I paid for. I just wanted to say hi to Matt Smith, and I did not say hi to Matt Smith. They, Aww. I was going in 60 seconds. But, like, I did get to see Jason Moa, too, and he was better. My sister, see, she had dressed up as Daenerys Targaryen, and she had taken her youngest and objectively cutest baby uh, dressed as a little <laughs> dragon. Okay. Oh my god. We're gonna your uh, your nephew or niece is gonna listen to this in like ten years and is gonna be like, "What the hell, man?" I mean, they're gonna li- listen. To, hold on. First of all, I'll just let them listen and say, I didn't say a gender, so I'm gonna let them listen and they'll be like, "He's talking about me for sure." I'm yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. But cool. uh, cool. it was Andy. But anyhow, he, uh, <laughs> he dressed him as a little dragon baby, and so we go up to Jason Momoa and like I'm already disenchanted by the entire picture venture. But uh, when we were walking up, he did. He uh, he just goes, uh, <laughs> "That is so fucking adorable." <laughs> and, uh, and I, that was that was the best. I wasn't even in that picture, but I. That's the only picture that I have a copy of. So just because he's smiling really big, and Andy is just like that chonk. He's so chonky, and he's just hanging there in a dragon. Yeah, us too. So that's my Jason Momoa oh. story. And, like, and I've heard other people say like he's super nice to oh, anyone yeah. who comes up to him. See, and, he goes like, to a lot of those cons and stuff. And like I know some people that go to cons like all over kind of the Eastern Seaboard, and he's been to a lot of those. And he like remembers them from it because they've met him every time. And they 
like they go to bars afterward and he goes and they hang out with him and like it's they say he's like the nicest dude ever but like they just kind of Ugh. yeah he just I goes bar hopping with jason he, momoa when he when he wasn't as big like he just go bar hopping and they say that you know just everybody would just go like where he's going because it's just a big party and he's just a it's a super super cool lovable guy just a party in the usa yeah. It just seems like, you know, from, from interviews and things, I know there's always a bit of an affectation in those, but it does seem like he he does just genuinely enjoy what he's doing, and he's mm-hmm. really excited to be doing it. So I like to imagine his life is actually like the bar scene at the beginning of Aquaman, <laughs> uh-huh. where it starts where he's just taking a picture with those guys, and then he starts getting drunk with those guys, and then he gets hammered with those guys, yeah, and they're having the best time. That's what I was thinking when I was watching that. That's exactly what I've heard him. To be like and there's something always there's always something endearing about someone who looks like they could rip my arms off and beat me to death with them but it's just a big old cuddly teddy bear <laughs> i will say i think there's going back to the movie but it was important we get all those stories <laughs> but going back to the movie i think there is one moment where if you are on board for this movie and for all the crazy visuals and crazy storytelling things it's going to throw at you, if you're on board for the movie, you know at this moment. So, to set it up, uh, Orm and Aquaman are going to fight for control of who's going to win. Like, basically, for control of Atlantis. Who will be king? And they're there, they're surrounded by lava, underwater, and... (laughs) Basically, as they're coming up to face each other, there's a cutaway shot to a giant octopus playing war drums. That's when it won the Academy Award of my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. I was sold on that scene. Absolutely. It's just like it. It it knows what it is. Like it's not it's not trying to be Batman v Superman with like. Superman is a is a metaphor for Jesus. And At no like, point does the octopus say Martha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no Martha screaming. It's just like I'm just an octopus man, and I'm just here to play these war drums so that you can have a dope fight. And, you and know then what? they have a dope fight. Shout out to Willem Dafoe for showing everybody that you don't have to be sexy to be a mermaid. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to Willem Dafoe to showing he doesn't always have to play the villain. That's true. That's I true. kept waiting for the turn and it never showed up. <laughs> he was just, you know, just good guy. Good guy, Will. I was just like, yeah. at any point, it'll be like, no, Willem Dafoe's the real villain. But no. Yeah, was going back guy. to the octopus, when I saw this with my <laughs> sister, um, there were several, one refrain that she had was every time something bizarre would happen on screen, she would look at me and be like, okay. And and I think that the sooner you got to that place mentally, uh-huh. where you were just accepting whatever was on screen, the more you enjoyed the movie. By the so, way, mm-hmm. in all my time that I've been on this podcast, I think my favorite thing anybody has said, going back to the octopus. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the, the octopus. octopus. It's the most important scene in the That's movie. True. I think you'll agree. Absolutely. So Absolutely. <laughs> Like Jar-, <laughs> like Jar Jar in the prequels, it was the key to all of this. <laughs> Bill, I swear, I will kick you off this podcast. <laughs> it got so that movie did get so crazy towards the end, though, that like I yeah. basically just had to shut my brain off because, like, <laughs> oh, at one yeah. point, there's like a there's this like 
fish royal family, and they're just this guy's up there like threatening them, and he's just like, "I'm gonna kill the fish prince," and he does, and then he looks at the fish princess, and he's like, "You're you're the fish king now, fish princess," and then so she's like, she just accepts that, and then in the next scene they're at war, and she's in like a fish princess mech suit underwater, and she's fighting inside of a robot suit, and I was like, I just need to stop stop with my brain and just let this movie happen to me listen i would have still loved this movie if at any point of that last scene where like jason momoa is on the seahorse if he had just yelled i'm jason momoa and i'm on a seahorse and then just like it, it's, it's i believe he was riding a shark uh, was it a shark no, no it was definitely a seahorse it was no a- dolph lundgren was yeah, on the seahorse are you sure are you sure I'm I pretty sure Aquaman God. never like, was I, on a seahorse. I swear His people rode I think he end. was on a seahorse. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. I okay. think so. Yeah. Because like, he was, uh, he was uh, sort of going against Orm and his shark, which was the only mm. creature in all the oceans that would not listen to Aquaman, was mm. Orm's shark. <laughs> so that was after he jumped off the Kraken. Right. Yes, yes. Basically. It has another name, but... <laughs> Mary <the> Croppins. <laughs> yeah, Mary- <laughs> Julie Andrews. <laughs> hey, you know what? Another thing I liked about this movie is, like, the one thing I was thinking, like, everybody's thinking it, but nobody's gonna say it. The movie addressed it, and it's that people that live underwater smell like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought and I thought everybody's thinking it, why are they not saying anything about it? And sure enough, it's like you smell like shit. You've been underwater forever. Yep. So I will say once yeah. I got out of the movie with my sister again, the first thing that she asked me as when we left, she turned to me and said, How do they poop? Where does it go? Well, and... I think they, they made like a what was it like a a crying like th- like a reference to their crying underwater where they can't feel it. I'm like that's the same thing when they're peeing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like it just washes it away. And he's like, here we feel them. And I would love it if like they did the exact same scene except with... it was with peeing. I'd like to I'd like to see because I I like to imagine that um. They use upside down bathrooms. So, <laughs> so they like go upside down these to poop. So just to answer, just to answer your question with science. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe. Right. I will say one thing I thought throughout this movie because it turns into basically Aquaman and Mira going on a series of adventures to solve a quest to get him a magic trident so he can go save Atlantis and save the world and like. It's it to me. It felt like a video game, mm-hmm. and to and no scene more so than when they first get to Atlantis. They have a meeting with Willem Dafoe at an underwater ship that has like an air bubble in it, and it gets attacked by all these Atlantean guards, and they are in corresponding colors to I guess determine their toughness and every time a new one enters there's like a little scene of them like posing and then going into a fight and I was like this is the first fight in any video game where they're introducing you to enemy types it was like I fish power rangers you described it did you, <laughs> it was fish power did rangers. you describe it as Zelda last time Daniel yes, because I basically said it felt like a Zelda game because it's now you go to this dungeon to do this to get this part as to aid you in your quest. Because, like, when you first said that, I was like, that's ridiculous. But now, like, as you're talking about it, I'm like, it's a kind of Zelda. 
Yeah, because they you fight in Atlantis, then they escape, then they go to the Sahara under the wonderful tones of Pitbull's well, okay. Africa. <laughs> that's the one thing. That's the one thing. Oh, that's the the one big, big, humongous thing I put against this movie. You have this incredible, like not incredible. You have this great scene where, like, just emotional. You've gone up against your half brother for the throne of Atlantis. You've lost. You you're at your lowest you- point. And then you you're just like, barely escaped, and it also meant Mara had to basically abandon her home yeah. forever. And it's like, guess where we're going? And it's like, Africa by Toto by Pitbull. Yes. <laughs> it does throw you out of the movie just it a does. little bit. So. And, and I will say this, like, especially thinking of it as a Zelda thing makes it make more sense as to how any of that works. Because it's like, they go, t- they get like a bottle or something. Mm-hmm. From the from the temple in the desert, <laughs> and then that takes them to the Mediterranean, where he has to put the bottle in the hand of like a former emperor of Rome. Mm-hmm. But like they're basically saying the desert kingdom was Atlantis. Like it's like there were Atlanteans there before it was a desert. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it was a desert by the time Rome existed. Oh, yeah, it totally was. <laughs> so he made that specialized bottle, assuming a statue would be put in just the right place well, centuries or millennia later. We're, we're, we, we have to remember, it's like when, when people get super serious about Star Wars, you're dealing with wizards in space, you're dealing with underwater True. kings and queens. It's, yeah, don't worry about how they eat or breathe or any science facts. Yeah, or anything. it's yeah. all good. Don't worry. <laughs> well done, Noah. Well done. I appreciate the mystery science reference. Oh, there's also with the statue. Uh, there's, and, and I'm not the only person who thinks this. I've heard this from multiple people that it reminded them a lot of the scene, like when when the statue explodes, like in Mara's face. Um, it it reminded them of the scene where the Prince Eric statue explodes in Ariel's grotto oh! in the Little Mermaid, and there are, there are several references, like you know the giant seahorses and like mm-hmm. the fish people kingdoms. Uh, their palace is straight out of the Little Mermaid. Like I feel like they watched that movie before they made this one. Well, it's kind of <laughs> hard not to make a movie based underwater and not have the little mermaid as an as an influence yes <laughs> i will say for if you're trying to remember now why did that statue explode again it's because there's another villain in this movie <laughs> <laughs> who is he's introduced in like the first real scene because aquaman saves a bunch of sailors who are in a sub that's being attacked by uh, Black Manta's father and their whole gang. Aquaman basically leaves them for dead, as any true hero would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Manta escapes, his father does not, and dies. Though, the weird thing is, I feel like later they use that submarine for something, but it also very clearly explodes. Yeah. Because, like, you find out Black Manta had to steal a submarine to, like, well, he, trick some Atlanteans or something. I think and even that, like, they were just, uh, Orem was just like, it was barely functioning when you got it. I mean, like, well, yeah, because it, it was exploded. It should have so. not been in one piece. But I think we can yeah, assume it, that Atlantean super glue is really, really that's good. That's true. 
That's well, uh, that's nobody else is talking about that. That's what we need to remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Black Manta gets easily defeated because he's just a dude. Yeah. Uh, but later he gets a power up. Like the Atlanteans give him a bunch of weapons to go kill Mira and uh, Aquaman. And Noah, do do you remember, he just, of course, would put on those weapons and armor, right? There wouldn't be anything ridiculous about that, would there? Nah, yeah, like, I I thought it was funny that they gave him, like, a bunch (laughs) of guns, and he was just like, you know, thanks. These guns, pretty dope. What if it was on my face? (laughs) So then you get, like, a 1980s montage, and I don't know what music was playing at the time, but when I think back on it, I, I hear... Uh, push you to the limit while he's like building his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still, I, I only hear Africa by Toto by Pitbull. So that's all I only hear. <laughs> I would love it if that was the only song they could license. Well, he just kind of like a quirky 80s movie montage invents a laser oh. face and, and then And also, then almost, like comically almost dies. Yeah, it's he so silly. Kills himself. It's so silly. And so, and he gets this big power up, goes to confront them in the Mediterranean, and still gets his ass handed to him. Yeah. Well, like, I I don't, well, I think he, like, was beating Aquaman up for most of it, and then, like, at the end, like, when Aquaman found his strength and wasn't, like, off guard, he was like, oh, no, I'm gonna beat you and throw you over here instead. Yeah, I mean, kudos to him, though, because, like, he had, (laughs) see, he fought Aquaman at the start of it, and, like, I would have, if it were me, and I'd gotten the shit beat out of me by Aquaman, I would say, like, wow, I need to have stronger arms and legs to beat Aquaman. Mm -hmm. But, like, he kind of saw even deeper into that (laughs) problem, and he was like, man, I really got the shit beat out of me by Aquaman. I really need a giant fucking laser on my face, and (laughs) that'll do it. And you know what? He went toe-to-toe for quite some time. But then he got thoroughly yeeted into the ocean. Yeah. I will say, like, because you almost expect the turn to be like, okay, well, now Mera's going to show up and help him out, and together they'll beat him. But Aquaman beats him on his own before Mera even really gets there. And so then you're like, all those upgrades, and you still lose, which then makes the post credit scene even dumber. Yeah, I didn't watch. I don't stay for those. Really? Okay. You, won't trick, I don't... you won't trick me, Superman. I don't fuck, like... I don't find it, like, dumb. I just, like, I don't know who that guy is. There's, okay. Uh, so the post credit scene. Black Manta is found floating on some debris by uh, Dr. Stephen Shin, who in the comics is just a dude who originally helped uh, Aquaman kind of discover his powers a bit because he studied Atlanteans and he's like, oh, they're real and here's this kid. Then he tried to, like, use... Aquaman to get famous and that did not work and so he was kind of just regarded as a crackpot scientist and turned evil and so it's like he saves Black Manta and realizes oh this is like some Atlantean weaponry and like Black Manta wakes up in like a bed behind him as he's toying with Black Manta's armor is about to blast himself to smithereens he's like no don't you know don't want you don't want to mess with that trust me and then it's like, oh, will you help me, like, prove about Atlanteans? He's like, yeah, 
but I got, but you gotta help me kill Aquaman. And all I thought is, you had like armed guards and latest technology from Atlantis and couldn't do it. How is defunct science guy going to make all that much difference? So I was thinking about it, and you know how like I added a laser face and I did a lot better fighting <laughs> Aquaman? Well, this time I was thinking like, what if my legs were like super long? Like I had like <laughs> 10 foot long legs. And then and I, I also Aquaman. put swords on those to match my hand sword. Yeah, what if I put swords on my back and had 10-foot-long legs and then tried to fight off man? I will say his weaponry is very bad, Atlantean weaponry, because the whole uh, the whole point behind it is that when it gets wet, it explodes. How is that <laughs> useful for an underwater civilization? Like, But when they open it up, it is sitting in just a pool of water, and he pulls it out, and then like someone comes up with a conch shell full of water, and they're like, you have to put it in water, and it charges the laser. And you're like, it was just literally sitting in water. Why do you now have to charge it? Hey, it makes sense if you don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the also, tagline for also, Aquaman. Also, they've got like... They've got like uh, 24th century technology down there. Are you telling me that they're still using conch shells as cups and bowls? <laughs> Listen, something like they're holding just... a laser gun and they just pick up a conch shell. It's like it needs water. Like I figure you know, they nature have like a makes it perfect. Sometimes you know, you never know what's what's it going to be. That's true. How do you improve <laughs> yeah, the... on it? I don't know. <laughs> There you go. We've we, never improved on conch. We shells. can improve the conch shell. It's too perfect. Uh, <laughs> it I belongs like, in a museum. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> you wouldn't try to improve. You wouldn't try to improve on a puppy, would you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, basset puppy. Duh. <laughs> oh wait, never mind. I'll, Puppies are all just bred to be like different things that people want anyway. <laughs> I guess people are constantly trying to improve on the puppy. <laughs> well, then they can improve on the conch shell. And make just like the puppy. magic conch! Yeah. <laughs> Beth, you were saying something. Oh, no, I was just thinking, I wonder if that was like just a ceremonial conch shell. Like that laser can only work if it is paired with that particular conch shell. So, I would love it if that continued and he had to keep using that specific conch <laughs> shell to pour laser, to pour like water into his face. <laughs> Wait, no, Aquaman, come here. Put put water in my face. Put it in here now. There you go. We're good. <laughs> can, can you splash me with that? Just a little water. Quick? Just a little. In my face. You know, there you go. To make it sporting. There you go. <laughs> I will say, I loved what they did with Amber Heard's character. Mara yeah. is great. I love Mara. I but the and like J uh, Aquaman and her relationship wasn't like solely like she wasn't a damsel in distress. It was like very kind of like healthy and like you know they weren't they were they were, they were their own people. They didn't need like they needed each other to succeed. Like they it wasn't she didn't need his yeah. saving or it was it was I felt I thought it was very mm -hmm. kind of healthy. I, I could be wrong, but. No, I, I actually, Daniel is probably tired of hearing about this because I have talked about this with him like so many times already. But um, Mara, to me, has the most agency, I think, meaning she controls her own destiny. Like mm -hmm. her, she controls her own path in the story. 
uh, I think more than most any other female character in superhero movies. I think and... you could make an argument that like she had she had more to lose than Aquaman did. Oh yes. Oh yeah. In a lot of ways this was her story and and she really mm-hmm. directed the narrative. Like she was the one that pulled him into the story. She was the one that rescued him when he was about to die in the Thor Ragnarok scene. And uh, she's the one that uh, that really keeps the plot going. And mm-hmm. uh, I just really appreciated that about her. I liked how powerful she was because she does some really impressive things in this movie. Well, yeah. While he's fighting one Black Manta, she takes out four like elite guards. Yeah, I, I will say <laughs> I don't know why she's wearing heels, but you know underwater but you know she has whatever. the bryce dallas howard effect in jurassic world <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but no i really appreciated that that mara was such a strong character and that it was it felt it did feel very equal you're right bill mm-hmm. and she gets to ride an orca there at the end that's fun she that's- gets right she gets to ride an orca and that's completely normal. <laughs> um, and that's not the weirdest thing that happened in this movie. <laughs> no. Uh, you. There's, like, a bunch of, like, fun... So, it's, like, because there's uh, a lot of Jules Verne references throughout it. There's even, I think, a copy of one of his books on the reading table. Yeah. Or, like, the table in their living room. And... Appropriately, it, it, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, because of course yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. So. And it culminates when, at the end of their journey, they end up in the hollow earth. <laughs> yes, with the dinosaurs. <laughs> and there's a, there's a bunch of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs and Nicole Kidman, exactly what you thought would be at the hollow earth. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, I don't think we've mentioned Nicole Kidman. I... His, his mom was Nicole Kidman... She fell in love with a surface dweller, but had to go back to marry a dude uh, to keep Atlantis, whatever. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly how what the plot said, too. He just, Basically. He just, you know, go back to Atlantis and be, whatever, you know. But then, then they sacrificed her to the trench, which are piranha people. But she survived, found her way to the Hollow Earth, and just lived there. By the way, before we get into that a little bit, I really think James Wan did a great job with that sequence diving back into his his horror roots because there was oh, definitely yeah. some oh, yes. kind of like the the red light and the 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 eerie mob that kept on coming around it I thought that was great the was the trench well scene is incredible mm-hmm. and Agreed. Daniel they're anglerfish people not piranha people no because they don't have the lights on them well, I mean, the design is clearly more anglerfish. I'm just saying. They don't have the little lights, but... <laughs> we can also, I feel like in the comics, they were also, more... Also, piranhas are in Our per- I thought they were in the, the Amazon. They're, they're, they were in Freshwater. They are. They're not. not no, he... Yeah, he said they aren't in the ocean. Oh, good point. You know what? Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen the Sci-Fi Channel original movie Mega Piranha? <laughs> Have you seen a man kickbox giant piranha, Noah? Oh, I will no. say then I just turned into dust right <laughs> away because you defeated me. I, I, Mr. Mr. Dunstan, I don't, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they could be actually end up in the Amazon River because uh, mm-hmm. they the 
the bearing in the bottle seems to point them to the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, but that's clearly not where they ended up. So (laughs) who knows where they are? Maybe they are in the Amazon River. I don't know. It's really no telling. (laughs) But yeah, I love like it's like they get trapped in the hollow earth and you're like, oh no, now what? And it's like, oh no, this is where you're supposed to be the whole time. The magical trident is here. And only the chosen one may remove the master sword. I mean, the magical trident. (laughs) But it's guarded by a very powerful being and monster. Whose mom is also named Martha. Mary Poppins. (laughs) Yes. So, Julie Andrews did not appear in Mary Poppins Returns. She did appear in Aquaman as the voice of what is that thing called? It is basically the Kraken. Yes. As Liam Neeson said, release the Kraken. And I love that they told Julie Andrews, be as contemptuously upper class British as possible. And she delivered on that. I, she's great in this, in this role. And she's clearly having a lot of fun. I like Mm. to think that this is Mary Poppins' true form when she's not being it a is. nanny. It really is. By the <laughs> way, is this the first thing she's done since, like, Princess Diaries 2? Uh, let me see. Because I can't think of anything else that she's been in. So she is the voice of the Carathon. Uh, first thing... No, she was a voice in Despicable Me 3. That's right. She was You're Gru's right. mom. I miss her. And apparently, I think Tomlin mentioned this, she does a thing for Netflix called Julie's Green Room. What? And it's basically, like, well, it's basically she does, like, a children's program. And she, like, sings songs and generally just is Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was the queen in Shrek, wasn't she? Oh, you're right. <laughs> wow, what an all-star. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I I and, as soon as I said it, I hated it. <laughs> and you you also get uh, for a, I guess a Lord of the Rings connection. John Reese Davies mm-hmm. is the Brine King. Gimli. Who are just crab people? Which just dwarves. It's like it's it's underwater <laughs> yeah. dwarves. And every time we were introduced to a new kingdom of Atlantis, there was so much spectacle in each of those. Like, and a lot of it was really dumb, but there was so much great spectacle. I was just like, ooh, what are we going to see here? This is great. And I loved the giant crab tanks. I loved them. Yeah. Well, the dry- giant crab tanks were there to fight the uh, fish princess mechs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fight for the ages. Truly. I don't think I, I don't think we could ever replicate that ever. <laughs> there were things I saw in that movie I never thought I would. But I did. Uh, so we're saying best comic book movie of twenty eighteen question mark? It's no it's no Spider-Verse. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well But is it an infinity war? <laughs> But is it Venom is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked Venom. I'd honestly probably watch Aquaman again more. Yeah. No, listen. I, I, I would probably watch just that lobster tank scene in Venom. <laughs> and then that's all I need. And then you could just, I'll just go straight into Aquaman after that. 
<laughs> well, then you can go to Aquaman for that lobster's origin I know, that's story. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, going back to Far From Home, the secret villain is, as Eminem said in his classic song, Oh, no. Venom! I don't... <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that's what's <laughs> happening. I know we've missed like a hundred ridiculous things. There is so much ridiculous in this, like that I love that it you you you've just gotta keep it more concise. <laughs> keep it in the big stuff, like the Africa by Toto by Pitbull, which I just want to hammer down. Oh my god, what were they thinking? <laughs> I I did uh like I did think several times when I was watching the movie, and and my sister seemed to agree with me that uh. Like this film is bookended by this sort of true love with a capital T and L romance, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it has Mara in it. It you know it has Jason Momoa and his abs in it, and I just I, I kept getting this feeling that as the as the creators were making this movie, that um, they were in probably a very cynical way thinking, well, let's make sure that the ladies are going to like this, too. And I'm not saying that the romance worked for all women. I know that there were some that it did not work for. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I like that. I appreciate that the effort was made, especially with a movie that I thought was going to be an entirely dude bro movie, which would have been mm-hmm. fine. Um, My man. Exactly. My man. That's what I was thinking. But I, I like that the effort was made. So to so, listen, it- the, to our listeners, if you ever see one of us, even Beth, I, I think Beth would be okay with this. If you come up with to us and just say, "My man," that's the only <laughs> acceptable way to come up to us. If if you do if you do any other way, wanna, any other way, we're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna acknowledge you. Like, I want to just, just like, say, there's a good chance that that would be a very awkward encounter that you would have with me. I would try my best, but I can't say that I would be really socially smooth in that. That kind of I, listen, I'll try my best, but like I just like I want to be like out somewhere and like getting getting dinner and someone just come up to the table and just say, my man. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Dope. Awesome. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then then you're out on a nice date and having a good night on the town. Then someone just comes. My man. No, the waiter. Then you have to the waiter comes all out. of that. The waiter comes out and he's like, okay, we got a, a special today. Oh, Bill, how are you? <gasps> My man. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a dumb moment. <laughs> it's the most necessary uh, moment in Justice League, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's less ridiculous than the CGI mouth. That's just, Oh, God. There's something very chilling about that. It's just, mm-hmm. it looks just wrong enough. I could have gone to college at least three times on the amount of money. that. <laughs> the, not like, not like UK. Like I could have gone to a good college. Not, no offense to UK. Cause like I, I go, oh! I, I, I could have gone to like Harvard for the amount of money they spent on, on just his mustache. <laughs> oh my God. I am. I, jeez. Please don't kick me out. I really want to graduate this semester. Please let, <laughs> please let me get me done. Just let me be done. Don't kick me out after that. What I don't understand is why they couldn't have just let Superman have a mustache. He's been in stasis for a while. Maybe he mm-hmm. grew one. In fact, in comics, when he came out of 
Stasis from being dead, didn't he have a beard? I know he had a mullet. He did have a mullet. I think he actually just had maybe some five o'clock shadow <laughs> to complete the mullet look. Oh, he had that mullet for a while in comics. That's a good mullet. It's top ten mullets uh, of 2018 for sure. <laughs> top ten mullets of 1990s 90, either era. Either way, 2018, 1990, what, what's the difference, really? <laughs> About 28 years. Good point, but hey, <laughs> your, your facts and numbers mean nothing to me. <laughs> I will say, it's one of those things of, as ridiculous and as much as we've pointed out, like, this is kind of silly and dumb of Aquaman, I still really, en I, I enjoyed the movie. And it actually mm -hmm. gave me some hope for Shazam, because I was like, oh, maybe they figured out how to make these movies fun. I agree, you know, that's, I, I think before the movie came out, we, we the, the pod we did before Aquaman came out, we talked about, like, you know, if Aquaman's good, we're gonna, I'm gonna feel better about Shazam, and... We're, I'm getting that same kind of vibe that I got from uh, Aquaman with Shazam. You know, Zachary Levi is great. Uh, everybody mm -hmm. that that seems to be involved with it seems to know what they're doing. It, it I, I I completely agree. And they put out actually a quick little sneak peek of Shazam recently. And one moment in the little sneak peek, he tries to he has he goes up to like this cashier working at a convenience store, just like hello. I'm an adult Oops. superhero. Show me your finest, finest beer. beers. <laughs> she just kind of points to the cooler in the back. Yeah. That movie just looks so charming. It looks very, very Zachary Levi. I'm very excited for that. Apparently now, he said in an interview, he is glad his character in the MCU got killed off because yeah. it meant he could do this movie. That was a nothing character to begin with. So yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But... So here's the question. Are we more excited for Shazam or Captain Marvel? Okay, here's my thought on Captain Marvel. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit worried about it just because we I um I I want it to be good. I desperately want it to be good. I like Brie Larson a lot and it looks like it could have some fun moments, but I just get the feeling that the people who are creating the trailers aren't excited about it in the same mm -hmm. way that they are, that people see that they seem to be excited about other films that are getting trailers. Mm -hmm. um, like for, and I know that, you know, making trailers is, you know, just a job, but there, but, but it, it seems like in the Captain Marvel trailers, somebody is just doing a job. Like they're, yeah. they're not excited about what they're putting together. Well, and I'm just starting to get a tad worried. <laughs> I, I agree, but you know, the, she's so the movie's so like instrumental for Endgame that even there was I think Samuel L. Jackson just did a, a small little not a small a pretty big spoiler about some of the powers that she has. Um, so I, it's obviously it's going to be incredibly important for Endgame, but I find myself being a little bit more excited for Shazam, honestly. Yeah, like it just I'm going to go see both of them on opening night. But, like, I just the, the tone and vibe of Shazam, just, like, I feel like it fits, like, what I like in movies and, like, my personality. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big kid, so let me go see this movie about a kid who becomes a big kid who becomes a superhero. So, And I will also say part of that could be 
with Marvel, you almost expect a certain level of quality. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're all assuming, I think, even if we're like, oh, I'm not sure about Captain Marvel, it's more of a, I'm sure it will be fine, we're just not seeing the best pictures. Right. Or the best trailers from it. But, with DC, they don't have that track record, so we're like, hey, this could be, like, a good movie. <laughs> And I think part of it for me too is in the comics. I'm I I feel personally much more energized by Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, who was inspired by Captain Marvel. Uh, mm-hmm. In the comics, uh, Miss Marvel by G Willow Wilson. You need to read that comic book if you have yeah, not already. It, it was, is great. If I remember right, is it? I think it was 2014. But that was like the best yeah. comic of the entire now, year for the, me. I think they they've already mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, Feige's already talked about bringing her into the MCU at some point. He was asked in an interview and basically said he's not going to rule it out, but I I think basically he said, depending on how Captain Marvel does, you can almost guarantee it. I will go see Captain Marvel 80 times if it means that we get Kamala Khan. <laughs> I, I think it, we can be fairly confident Kamala Khan will be in the Marvel Universe. In short order. As, She's too popular a character. As will Miles Morales. Oh, yeah. Yes. They've laid the groundwork for Miles already. Mm-hmm. And the existence of Captain Marvel lays the groundwork for Kamala Khan. Absolutely. And actually, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has also kind of laid the groundwork for Kamala Khan. Hmm. How? So, Kamala Khan comes from an event called Inhumanity where the activating agent for activating Inhumans got spread throughout the world. And that storyline happened in, like, season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do too much with it, but, you know, it's there. So overall, everyone liked Aquaman? Yeah, I'd give it a... God. See, here's what I did. My first review I did for Funkhauser, I gave Venom a 7 out of 10. So, like... <laughs> Shouldn't have done that, but yeah, I will give Aquaman an eight point five. Okay, I really liked it. I, I I'm I'm not trying to go that high because there are giant plot holes you could drive a small freighter through. But it's like a, I like that freighter. That is a nice freighter. <laughs> but it, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it I am absolutely. also going to give it an eight point five out of ten because again, Daniel did not watch it for the plot. Mm-hmm. Beth and Bill. Beth and Bill. I'm going to give it three conch shells out of five conch shells. Whoa. (laughs) That's the best rating I've ever heard. And I will give it one 80s super suit build montage out of any movie that doesn't feature that. That, I'm not sure what that means, but okay, cool. All right, fine. I will give it a Jason Momoa's abs out of ten. Oh, that's a perfect da- that's a perfect score, Daniel. Are you sure you want to go that high? Are you sure you want to go that high? Oh no, the other movie I gave a perfect score to was Spider Verse in my review. Oh God, same movie, same premise, same energy, same energy. I will say Aquaman is no Spider Verse, but it's like, but it is great fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume if you're listening to the spoiler talk of Aquaman, you've seen it. Yes. So maybe take away from this, go see Spider-Verse if you've not seen it. 
Noah. Fine. That's exactly what you want people to get out of your Aquaman spoiler review. <laughs> Go see Into the Spider-Verse. Well, look, I'm hoping we didn't, like, you didn't get people who are like, I've not seen Aquaman. Let me listen to the whole plot and see if it's interesting. Tell me more. If, Tell me if, more. <laughs> If for some reason you've done that, go see Aquaman. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it made a billion dollars for a reason. Yeah, if Absolutely. you're just that type of person, then go brush your teeth afterwards and then drink a giant glass of orange juice. I gotta go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Noah, you have anything to plug? Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay bill what about you you guys can find me on twitter at star wars bill you guys can go follow my uh, uh my other podcast called skywalking through the league we talk star wars and basketball um over at it's at skywalking tl and once again if you see me you, you just come up to me and say my man just shout it as loud as you can beth would you have do you have anything you'd like to plug Go support your local public library. And you know what? Thinking you... back on it, I'd like to plug uh, cats. Yeah. <laughs> I got As I mentioned yes. earlier, I got that dumpster cat that I found in the dumpster, and it's pretty great. And I would say... I'm really glad go, you found your dumpster cat in the dumpster. Go to your local dumpster. I'm sure there's a cat there. <laughs> Take it home. <laughs> Wash it off with a washcloth and raise it to be your new baby. You're welcome. Please make sure it's a cat and not a raccoon. Yeah. Made that mistake. Not good. Not good. And if it's a kitten, it's even better. Mine was a kitten. Because if it's Aww. if it's a dumpster kitten, it's still got time to be turned into a regular cat. But if it's a dumpster cat, it might be just a devil bringing into your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you bring well, if you bring you. a full grown dumpster cat into your house, and you're gonna go into the living room one day, and your your favorite chair is gonna be a pile of dust, it's gonna rip it to bits. But I'm good. Good to know, Noah. Thank you. Uh, you can also find articles Beth has written on Funkhauser. Yes. Um, I've written several articles about uh, books that you should read. So you can, one for read-alikes for the hate you give. And um, and I've also written a review of Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Dunstan. Uh, keep watching the podcast feed. We're going to keep trying to do these a bit more frequently. Be sure to rate and review us as well. And as always... See you, nerds.